Welcome back to To The Table. I'm your host today, Alexis J. Soto, and I'm joined by the very creator of this wonderful, wonderful series where, where he gets to shove down his movies down our throats, whether we like it or not. This is Peter Martinez. How are you doing? I am doing great. Thank you. What is up, Hollywood? <laughs> How are you doing? And the world in this age of coronavirus. Um... In 2020, we have returned with yet another installment of our Tron Month. Last time on To the Table, Peter and I sat down and we talked about the 1982 science fiction Disney live-action film Tron with Jeff Bridges. And now we're back to talk about its immediate uh, successor, or I guess you could say uh, next installment, which is Tron Legacy, which, if my dates were correct, was released in 2010. Which would make a it a decade ago. A decade ago. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 uh, yeah, it, it's weird to say that 2010 was a, was a decade ago. It it it, it is weird, it, but it's also true. Yeah, much like reality. Every second alive is a second closer to death. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, and uh, as always, um, we'll go to Peter to give us our letterbox sponsored summary of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, here we go. Tron Legacy, directed by Joseph Kaczynski. The game has changed. Sam Flynn, the tech-savvy and daring son of Kevin Flynn, investigates his father's disappearance and is pulled into the grid. With the help of a mysterious program named Korra, Sam quests to stop evil dictator Clue from crossing into the real world. Um, okay, just real quickly, mm-hmm. um, obviously in the first one I explained why uh, I wanted to give you the whole Tron experience. Okay. You go with that and then I have <laughs> um, some critic reviews at the time to give people a taste of how this film was received. Oh, okay. So yeah, well, I also want to give some slight lead up. Of course, you to, let me know when. To as well. Okay, so... Um, Tron Legacy. I remember watching it at the time, and I liked it. I actually still really like this film, but um, it much like the original Tron, I think it's actually much better than the original Tron, but it's still that level of frustration where it's like it's it's scratching at greatness. It's 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 there, but just not quite. Um. And I feel like that's the whole Tron series, but every time it's given an opportunity, uh, it, it, it scratches a bit further and then it goes dark <laughs> for the next however many years. Like progressives well, like, in America. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, it took, I don't know how many, 30 or so odd years to go from 1982 Tron to 2010 Tron, and now it's been a decade since 2010 Tron. Um, yeah. But um, in the lead up to to that, uh, just uh, just two little um, bullet points about the lead up to Tron Legacy. Um, field specul. A lot of people um, back in 1999 speculated that Pixar's alleged interest uh, in Tron would lead to them creating a sequel. Uh, back in 1999. Pixar, but uh, yeah, Pixar. Do they have an animated Obvious. movie in mind? Because they don't make live action movies. Well, I assume that w- I don't know if it would have been live action. 
well, maybe it would have been like a combination. Mm. Like Pixar would have worked on the. Yeah, I I have no idea how that's that would just have gone that's an interesting idea. That's why I asked. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Pixar even came in and helped with the script a little bit. Mm. Um, well, the, of for course the we know there would Tron be Legacy. there would be no Pixar in large part if it weren't for Tron in the first place. So that's an interesting yeah. you know history. But also a really interesting parallel between the original and the sequel is that director Joseph Kaczynski, this was his first like official film yeah. film, and he started off in computer graphics, mm. um, computer animator, so to speak, mm. in the same way that um, the original creator started off in animation as well. And I think you could tell both had a very keen interest in the world first and foremost <laughs> um oh yeah and then one of the w- inspirations for this film specifically he cited was wizard of oz um so yeah i thought that that's sort of the the lead up into that and then you said you wanted to say some shit. so yeah uh, i have a couple of reviews here um that you know were from the time um there were some you know notable people involved i want to say with this movie that that is interesting to me um, first and foremost, the screenplay and story was by, um, as Kyle fondly called them, Adam and Eddie, who we know from Lost and also the ABC, that was also on ABC. And they, I do believe that they were mostly in charge of that series after Abrams had left. And then mostly mm-hmm. they're known for your favorite, Peter, Once Upon a Time, the ABC television oh. season that ran <laughs> for seven years. So it's interesting that they were given this movie considering... Yeah, their their style and everything. And Daft Punk uh, did the score for this movie, and they have a cameo, I think, in the movie. Okay. Um, oh, I was gonna save that for later, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry if I ruined it. I just had a um, yeah. The consensus uh, for Rotten Tomatoes was Tron Legacy boasts dazzling visuals, but its human characters and story get lost amidst it amidst its state of the art production design. That's you. Uh, is it a review for the first movie or the that second could have movie? Been I mean, from the 1982. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty. Um, yeah. Um, let's see here. This was from. Give me a second, okay? Uh, I remember it. I you have it in front of you. Yeah. So I I don't, but I remember it having m- middling reviews. Oh yeah, it got 51. percent So down the middle, half of the oh, people okay. did not like it. I mean. You're talking about getting as mixed as you can get. Um, mm-hmm. So let me see. That's here. pretty harsh. Yeah, it actually. I feel like yeah. I feel like reviewers used to be a lot harsher. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, this still can be. I think it depends on like what it is. You know what it is? Because I think a lot of like film reviewers now like have different tastes, mm-hmm. and they they like enjoy. Like they grew up on, you know, different kinds of films. Right. Whereas older film reviewers, I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking out my butt. Um, Let's see here. Um, Overall, they praised Michael Sheen, um, his performance. That was one (laughs) thing that was in here. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Star Tribune (laughs) and Colin Covert believe that Sheen's uh, campy antics were too brief highlights of Tron Legacy. With other cast members, particularly Garrett Headland, Olivia Wilde, and Jeff Bridges, um, commentary reflected diverse attitudes. The film received a little boost from Wilde, according to Ricky. 
Um, the Boston Globe's Wesley Morris called Headland a dud stud. None of what he see. This is what he says. None of what he sees impresses. The feeling is mutual. At an alleged cost. <laughs> at an alleged cost of two hundred million dollars. That's some yawn. If he can't be thrilled, why should we? Um, <laughs> that's a taste of. Um, it's uh, pretty harsh. Uh, critics were divided with the character development and storylines in Tron Legacy. Uh, writing for the New Yorker, Bruce Jones commented that the audience did not connect with the characters as they were lacking emotion and substance. Uh, Disney may be looking for a, merch a merchandising bonanza with this long gestating sequel for the groundbreaking 1982 film, remarked Jones. But someone in the, in the corporate offices forgot to add any human interest to its action-heavy script. I, I, I do want to make clear with Tron, mm -hmm. Tron was Disney's attempt after Pirates and so many other tries mm -hmm. to get their own, you know, big blockbuster um, series off, you know, off the ground. And they were, even, you know, a sequel was actually written and ready to go around 2015 uh or yeah i think 2015 but you know guess what ha remember what happened around 2015 uh what did they purchase well not 2015 2012 they purchased lucasfilm oh i thought marvel was 20 when did they purchase marvel 2009 in 2009? Yeah. <laughs> no, they, they didn't. They purchased the, the company Marvel. But as far as the movies, um, because Paramount had the the agreement first after, I believe, mm -hmm. um, I believe it was in, during Avengers or Iron Man 3. Iron Man 3 was the last film to be partly distributed through Paramount. And then they all were reverted back to, to, um, to Disney. Disney purchased the company in 2009. But at that point, they had already uh, started... Um, making movies and they had and Marvel Studios had mostly all but exclusively uh, committed all of its phase one with Paramount oh okay um, well at that point that's when the that was the year that the, the, the Force Awakens came out yeah I got one um, more here just real quick um, oh no you made me lose my, my place oh here it is as Dana Stevens from Slate summed up, Tron Legacy is the kind of sensory onslaught blockbuster that tends to put me to sleep. The way babies will nap to block out um, overwhelming stimuli. I confess I may have snoozed through one or two climactic battles only to be startlingly awake by an incoming neon frisbee. Um, that was, so yeah, you, so you searched the harshest reviews, and then well, not I've got more, Peter. That was just the ones that were funniest to me. Um, the review by Roger Ebert. Um, uh, the environment was aesthetically pleasing, and added that its score displayed an electronic force that complemented the visuals. Rolling Stone, um, uh, concluding the effects were of award caliber. Uh, the Village Voice noted that while it was extremely enha extensively enhanced, Tron Legacy retained the streamlined visuals that were seen in its predecessor. Um, and then I think it was Variety that called it a stunning virtual ride. There were a lot of positive reviews as well. It's in the down the middle. It's just a, you know it's fun to read negative reviews. 
I'm not gonna you lie. enjoy everything negative as you are the death of hope. That's uh, you. Uh, as far as accolades are concerned, uh, Tron Legacy received an award for Best Original Score from the Austin Film Critics Association. Um, mm. And it did get an Academy Award uh, uh, nomination for Best Sound Editing. It made the it, it made the shortlist for visual effects, but it did not receive a nomination from the Oscars. Yeah, it lost. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Enough facts. What did you think of the film? Uh I gotta say, this is an interesting franchise because I'm 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 of two very different minds about it. Um I think at, <laughs> at the same time it's much better, and then in some areas is actually worse. Um than the original movie. This is very mixed for me. I'm not going to lie with mm-hmm. you. Um, this is uh, a frustrating <laughs> result because there's a lot of wonderful ideas and concepts and visuals and um, just wonderful stuff that's in this. And unfortunately, I think I feel like it's, it's wrapped in a bland blanket um, with some very uninspired performances and, um, underwritten characters which again were emblematic of the first film so unfortunately there's a reality i think with this series where it kind of is trying to remedy the old mistakes by making the same mistakes so twice (laughs) you hire a director with no experience primarily rooted in visual effects and twice you get a result in which the only thing that's unanimous about the film and that people love it's its visual effects gee i wonder what you were expecting um, it's a very mixed bag. Um, I don't know what it, what it speaks to it, but when this movie got to its midpoint, I stopped watching it and put on an episode of Doctor Who. And then I, and then <laughs> I went back and finished it. So I don't know what that says um, mm-hmm. about Tron Legacy. Um, but I will say this. This reminds me of a time when Disney actually gave a shit about its live action films because you can tell how much effort and how much force and money and thought went into a lot of this in comparison, especially to the wonderful era of Artemis Fowl that we have right now. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And this brand, I feel it's interesting. I mean, not this brand, but this um, property. In some ways, I feel that The full potential of this is just beyond anything Disney can ever even attempt, if I'm being honest with you. Like, that's, I think, how just beyond Mm. they're even capable of touching that. But that being said, I do think it it, it is um, possible to turn this into a successful franchise that people can like. But I think what Disney wants out of Tron is the same thing they want out of every other franchise they have is a four quadrant action heavy blockbuster that they can start a trilogy or a cinematic universe and only lightly glance at some big questions like for example like a lot of marvel movies like black panther do so i think that's all disney ever really wanted in this and to be fair a lot of the people that are involved you kind of got what you were going to get with it, I think is my ultimate accounting of it. Yeah, I, I just don't understand this thought process of like, we're trying to get off the ground this massive, you know, um, fucking whatever property um, franchise. And then it's like, oh, 
let let me get a guy who's never directed before. <laughs> and then just with the script and people, like, why would you not hire the best people in the business if you're trying if you're trying to make this like a, as sure a thing as humanly possible? Was J.J. Abrams busy in 2010? Was it was he doing Super Eight and and um what's the movie Star Trek at that point? He was probably he was probably doing Star Trek because that would be the Super name the guy you would do to. <clears throat> reboot things, I believe is what you said. That's mm-hmm. the guy you get for stuff like this. Or even fuck it, give it to Pixar. <laughs> they I mean, they had a million fucking hits at that time. And to be fair, uh, weren't there some projects they were I think they I don't know if I know Brad Bird was doing a live action Disney movie and so did you know Andrew Stanton unfortunately had a big bomb with john carter so Mm -hmm. i think andrew stanton and brad bird are the only examples of pixar directors they've given live action films to work on and in neither case did they succeed because didn't brad bird do tomorrowland yeah yeah that didn't work tomorrowland it didn't work either i gotta wonder at some point with live action movies because there have been some wonderful directors like you have a great director in any case kenneth Branagh. And he produced Artemis Fowl. Like, it seems clearly that there's something wrong um, in the state of Denmark when it comes to live action films with Disney. It, yeah, it feels like it's Disney. And it's like, is it the executives? But it's, I don't, is it the culture at Disney with the higher? Like, I don't know what it is. Because it doesn't, like, affect Lucasfilm or Marvel or, Pixar. or the animated or even Pixar. It doesn't really affect them. Like there are some films that they release that I clearly don't like. Mm-hmm. But I never go like fuck. Like they just can't do anything right. Whereas Except with, this like, department action, this department they can't do anything right. <laughs> they just can't. Like it's not even I I don't know. I don't know. And it's like I feel like all their failures are similar. They're the same failure, I feel like just again and again and again. Like I don't, and I don't understand what it is. I I don't know. They hit it out of the park with pirates, and then after that, they've just sort of struggled. Um, well, National Treasure. <laughs> well, from a creative standpoint, for sure. From a financial standpoint, all that makes money from that unit is animated movies turned into live action. And those are their worst fucking ones. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's dive into this. Um, let me, well, no, sorry, let, tell me, like, what, what, what are your issues? Let's, let's get into this. It's, it's kind of hard to start which one. I guess we can, should we start like big issues or smaller issues and then build up to the big ones? Um, let's start big. Fuck it. Okay. Visual effects. Um, okay. And. They are, I think, worthy of wonderful, wonderful praise. And there are, I think the visual effects, it's interesting to me because it's both a big pro and then also a smaller con, but to a certain extent. I think the effects are successful as far as making this a more realized world than clearly what they were even capable of dreaming in 1982. It's It feels just much, much more... Um, realistic in that sense. Like, for example, when they're 
one of the approaches that they take with the world in this film versus the 82 one is that it feels less of a video game. It feels like a real place, like a, a dimension of sorts of world where you eat and you drink and you have dimension, you know, in a lot of, mm-hmm. uh, not just with, um, you know, um, items, but with actual personalities that inhabit these programs. Um, there's a lot of enhancements made to what was established previously that I think, um, are helped by the fact that this is a movie made in 2010 and the visual effects obviously add to that. The one thing I will say about what is lost, I feel is, Mm -hmm. and this is so complicated because I think they're great effects and I like them, but what was conflicting about these effects are that let's say the action sequences per se, which look great. Um, but okay, I have a question. In the original movie, mm-hmm. what was the color scheme mainly? It was red and blue, right? Uh, the color scheme for the original film was much less defined. Because in this one, it's orange and blue, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it does that thing that you hate—the orange and blue combination, notably. This one does it the best, I think. Okay. Because it's... I feel like other films, the orange and blue is very stale mm. and samey. And and it's the same cheap-looking CGI, whoosh, magical-looking right. shit. And this is not that. Well, I feel like yeah. the blue and orange are very defined. I think they're, they are dazzling, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But... um. I don't know. There were some sequences, I want to say, in the third act that made it kind of difficult for me to follow what was going on exactly. Um, or even... Really? Or even care, if I'm being honest. So, yeah. But it would, is that the visuals or the story? As far as um, an action set piece is concerned... Um, Oh God, I don't, I don't want to be a bad guy here. I just wasn't interested. I guess in in, in I'm talking about the the sequence in the third act. Um, they catch up to the solar sailor, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it's Clue and Tron, and and then there's like an ensuing battle in that. Are you talking about when they're in the like the the flying ship? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, to me, I think that's easily the least interesting. That's the one right. I'm talking about. That one was uh, the yeah. the one with the light cycles was great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So if if I could add a little bit of a degree of differentiation there, um, I guess my thing is like the first movie was definitely a lot weirder, and mm-hmm. in because yeah. of that, I was captivated the entire time. In mm-hmm. this one, there are some sensibilities that are much more conventional. That made that harder to be captivated the entire time. Clearly, because I mm-hmm. paused the movie in the middle of it, so that that wasn't a promising sign. But putting that to the side, um, yeah, I feel like you're beating around the bush, or you're not entirely. I'm sure finding the words. I'm, how to word? I'm it? trying to find the right yeah. words because I don't want to be an asshole here. Because no, be if you. I don't be an asshole. Say what well, you because feel. I, okay. 
I don't want to be an asshole here because I don't think I'm, I don't think my thoughts are like that negative. I'm just trying to like, there was a sense well, of, say, say what you feel and then walk it back. Afterwards. Do you not get a sense <laughs> of what I'm trying to say at all by, based on what I was just saying? Honestly, no. Cause I feel the exact opposite. I think there was something more magical about the simplicity of how they looked in 1982 that I think found it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was more, much more mesmerizing, I guess you could say, versus how it okay. looks here. Is that clear? I can. Yeah. Okay. I can. But at the same time, I don't think that is mm-hmm. like, may, maybe that's just something that made it a little bit harder for me to engage with it this time. But mm-hmm. it's not something that I am saying is a detriment from an objective film standpoint, maybe it's just something that's yeah. just exclusive to me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is that understandable? Well, I mean, the film's very mixed, so I, I wouldn't say it's exclusive. You're acting like this is like you're criticizing Citizen Kane or something, and you're being very careful not to be called like a piece of shit for criticizing Citizen Kane. Like you can criticize it, believe me. Many people feel feel. I just read a bunch of reviews that they trashed it. Like I'm, I'm not. Mm-hmm. But I'm, uh, I'm. Did you read those reviews just to sh- p- prove that you're not alone? No. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I'll put it this way: I completely understand that point. Like, I I think there's a quaint, almost magical uh, feel to the original Tron's world because it's so 1980s computer fi. Mm-hmm. Where where it's like like when we talked about this, you know, in in the last episode, where the costumes are like this, and the way they achieved it was really out there, right? Like like these weird lines where it's light, and then how the visuals are like the earliest of the earliest CGI, so it has just this its own specific really look to it, um. And yeah, like around the corner, there's just sort of weird shit plastered behind, you know, whatever wall they're walking to and and going around. Um, For me, I I almost kind of like how different this new world is. And I know your issue isn't that it's different, it's that it's less interesting. Mm -hmm. I just want to be clear before you do. But I guess for me, one, I do find the new world very visually interesting. I think it's more visually consistent. I agree. But I'm okay with yes. that. Um, but what I also like about like the updated look and feel is that it's it's a technological world, yeah. right? So the fact that, you know, the one in the 80s looks so fucking 80s computer, uh, computer shit... And the one in 2010 looks like modern day, mm-hmm. like AAA budget video game. Um, I like that you, be, because the we, the computers are always evolving. Right. The grid is always evolving. That and, and I think behind the scenes, they said that was sort of their rationale. Right. Is that the grid isn't connected to the internet. It, it's like its own, it's on its own server and it's sort of... Um, evolved on its own you know for all those 30 some years or whatever from 1982 and 30 20 30 i don't know is it fair um, to say that that um 
and this is not necessarily a, like a bad thing, but is it fair yeah. to say that it's just not as vibrant? Because a lot of it is very much um, dark. Yeah, but I like the darkness. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. I I understand that it's it's very different. It, it's it's less um, random, like colors mm-hmm. and lines right, right. And, and and shit from the original. I I think they tried to create a more consistent world right. with this one and it's obviously if you want to create this giant franchise you would probably mm-hmm. do that um but i i genuinely really like the world they created too i find the world mm-hmm. very very interesting and i really like and visually appealing as well um the fact that it's always dark but like lights everywhere sort of illuminate the shit i i like like one of my favorite scenes is when um uh son of Flynn first enters the um the grid and you have the new and improved uh recognizer ship mm-hmm. and like just remembering the way it looked in nineteen eighty two yeah. and how it looks now really fucking cool and it like it, it comes down and it lands and and you and um you you have like the the guards identify yourself and they have that like really uh like electronic voice you know as they fly over the grid and, you know not the games not the games and they're talking about the games mm-hmm. um i don't know i i really like it i i think it's really well done i like i i really really like the the world that they right. created. And, and and not that I think you're getting me wrong here, because I think you're, you're you're maybe doing a better job than I am of explaining myself here. But as mm-hmm. a point of clarification, I start there because that's what I remember I think about it the most. And I think mm-hmm. maybe that's what I was most conflicted about. I guess like to sum it up, there was something about it that was not as engaging. However, all of what you just said, I, I don't necessarily disagree with. Like if you're going to do this, mm-hmm. that would it would be the way to do it. And for all intents and purposes, I do feel that there, there are much larger issues um, yeah. than that with I this mean, movie. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll tell you one of the big things that... I, okay, it, here's... Lay the big ones on. Well, your lead actor is a complete... Okay. Okay, hold on. Hold on now. I 100% agree with you. Like, I, I think this is like... A I didn't even answer the word... Like, he did. He, I, I love how you just like. He's a wet blanket. Yes. He's yeah. He's a male model that was never meant to act. Yeah. Like he, um, and and it's and it and it it makes it worse that the script for the entire film gives him like the most cliched one line one liners, uh, like like oh yeah you know and here comes another customer. It's like, oh, this is crazy. Like, if you can think of the most, like, randomly... It's like if, like, random generic lead character lines... Like, if you created a system to, like, fart them out... You mean Disney? That's all his, that's all his dialogue is. Um, and he's not a good actor in the... Like, he's just not... He's a, he's a male model, basically um and, and i've and, seen better um if you're gonna even go off that but i <laughs> that um yeah it's a problem there's that's it's kind of a big problem um he was difficult to engage with in 
any way and it became it's it's one of those instances where it's a bad combination of the actor giving no dimension no personality you're right when you say he's a wet blanket and then when they write him that way (laughs) like it's (laughs) yeah it's a triple threat it really is he looks bland he acts bland and the script is bland so it's like an onslaught of blandness with him I, i don't disagree and, and honestly, he's probably easily the weakest link of the film. He is. And again, like, that, that that's also, you know, we've seen franchises where that's the case with underwhelming sequels and their predecessors were not that way whatsoever. I think here's the thing. Part of why there are a lot of movies that don't require full-fledged characters like Tron and why a lot of their quote-unquote characters, as we discussed last week, do work was because you get a big actor with a big personality that kind of makes up for not for underrating characters. Mm-hmm. Like Jeff Bridges is his own man, <laughs> yeah. man. I mean, I don't know. It literally counted, I don't know how many times he said man. And you can tell how desperate they were to try and make his son feel remotely at all like Jeff Bridges. By There was a lot of times they, they tried, they, they forced the son to say man, man, man. As how Jeff Bridges would say it. That's how desperate it felt to me. Like, because I think it, it doesn't work at all, the relationship, because I just don't buy it. I don't, I, at no point do I think he's the son. And then on top it, of that, there are troubling, problematic, shall we say, um, portrayals about, um, what's his name? Um, Jeff Bridges' character? Uh, Flynn? Yeah, sorry. Father Flynn. I can think of the other one. Um, yeah, F- Flynn. Um, with him, like the whole thing with with Flynn is that he he left, he did this, and the fathering and all of that. There's some. There's a lot to that relationship that is underwritten. Um, doesn't necessarily work, and it accounts for a lot of real estate in this movie. So, mm-hmm. and even the way that it's written is not dynamic. It's not that super interesting. They have like maybe one or two heartfelt moments, I think in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think we should probably start there. Cause there, there are some issues with that. I feel, but we're in agreement that, um, Whatever his name was as a son was just not working mm-hmm. at all. And let yeah. me be clear, I wasn't criticizing Jeff Bridges' performance. I don't think he can do no yeah. wrong. He's a national treasure in my eyes. I, I love him in every movie. And yeah, I mean, it's just what's interesting I found is that from the first film, they tried giving him more dimension. I think that's one of the things that, that mm-hmm. this movie does better than the first one is that they try, I think, a little bit more at giving the characters to feel more like characters, I think you could say. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah... Yeah. Um, this is where I push back slightly. I think the father-son stuff, not great, mm-hmm. but there, it it did work for me in a lot of areas. Really? I, yeah. And to be fair, Jeff Bridges carried that shit. Well, that's what I'm talking about. He he carried it. I believed <laughs> it from him. Yeah. I bought him. Um. Mm-hmm. 
I guess I just didn't find it to be all that special. I thought there there could have been it's more not. done with it. One hundred. I don't disagree, but it's one of those things where it's like, I don't hate it. Also, like like I I definitely enjoy some of it. Right. Like um, I actually did enjoy, like when they're on the solar sail, mm-hmm. and he's just kind of telling him like yeah what's been going right. on for the last 20 years and then he just kind of told him like what wi-fi is and he's like i thought about that in 1985 yeah yeah that was great you know and, and, i would like have and like then, to have more of that you know that's kind of yeah and then when he's like um he just kind of says like so i assume mom and dad like he knows like they're probably dead at, at, at this point you know his parents yeah um and just just little little stuff like that and then like ultimately the third act what happens there i like i, I again it it's weak but uh, i know if there was more if it was done just a little bit better i could have loved it I, I and i think to me that's what's frustrating about tron as a whole and and, and this film um, I just feel like the template is there, and if you just polished it and 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 worked the story just just a little bit more, or, or, and a little bit more in some areas and a lot of bit more in others, um, it would be great, mm. like genuinely great. Because like I like the setup, I like the idea for the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, where he's been been missing for twenty years, he's he's the inheritor now of an Encom. Um, and it, uh, what's his name? Uh, this is how you know they really wanted to do sequels. Cillian Murphy. Yeah, uh, he is the son. Yeah, of uh, uh what's his name? Drink Drydinger, Dry, whatever. Dry, whatever from from the 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 guy who stole his shit from from the first film. Mm-hmm. And, Which, and to Bruce. How do you let that be on the board? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a whole thing. Um, but but Bruce uh, Boxler or whatever mm-hmm. Tron basically, like he's there now as an older guy on the on the board. Um, and the way he goes and he talks to Sam Sam Flynn, uh, the milk toast bread. And he tells him like about his dad and, and and like the way he goes to the abandoned arcade and poof, in the world and the reason for why Flynn was stuck for twenty years, like, I like, as a bullet point of like a story, I think the story's gangbusters. I think it's great. Um, the detail, unfortunately, it feels like they they got the outline and they're like, awesome, we're done. And then they were like getting ready to shoot, and then someone told them like, "No, like there's more to a script." Right. <laughs> then the bullet points you get, you got to flesh this shit out, and they're like, "Oh fuck!" And then they, you know, quickly fleshed it out. Um, okay, I guess. Um, let, let's get into execution of this story. Where do you yeah, think? Yeah, yeah. Where do you think the execution failed the story? What part um, of the execution, whether it be from performances to just plot uh-huh. lines in general? One, and we've already discussed this, the casting. I I think this film would be like twenty percent better 
with a better actor as as, as Sam Flynn. Like if if he could sell those cheese ball lines, and and he would and um Jeff Bridges wouldn't have to be doing a hundred percent of the lifting. Yeah. In in their um interactions, like I think that would make it so much better. So just right there, it would improve it so much more. Um, allowing more interaction between um uh, him and his son, and and, and fleshing out the themes of the film. Because again, I, I I think this film has a better story than the original. Yeah. And it also, I think it, it does a better job with the themes, mm-hmm. but it's still just, it's still not there. Right. <laughs> but I think it's definitely more fully defined in this film mm-hmm. because um, you have Jeff Bridges, who is basically, you know, the god of this, the grid, you know, he's the creator. Um, and as the story goes, he entrusted Clue which is, um, you know, a, a program replica of himself when he's not there to look over the grid. And he entrusted him, and Clue doesn't let him forget it, to make the perfect system. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, there's this really cool idea of an older man and, like, the the naive mistakes that he made as a younger man and, and sort of looking back with regret yeah and and the way and but then also the way clue and there's hints of this and again i like the hints mm-hmm. um of where clue almost views himself as well as a son as a son and f- father-like relationship between him and um flynn flynn uh-huh and how that um of there's almost like a three-way relationship, <laughs> father, son, son, mm-hmm. between you know Flynn, Sam Flynn, and um, Clue, Clue, and there's nice little hints to it here and there, um, but it just it needs fleshing out. It needs fleshing out with, and I honestly, I don't think it it would take much. I really don't. Just a scene here and there, uh, just to flesh it out because I think people don't realize just how much character development you can happen in, in one short scene and, you know, in a look in, in, in a small little discussion, you know, in, in this and that, yeah. um, a, 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 like just a little bit here and there can really go a long way. Um, yeah, that, that's sort of where I come down on. I agree with all of that. Yeah. I think that stuff worked and that was really interesting. Um, and I like Clue. <laughs> yeah, I think. Well, yeah, that that that's yeah. A ma- maniacal uh, Jeff Bridges is cool. that's like uh, especially because he he still has his sort of speech and, and mannerisms, right? Um, as as Clue. Mm-hmm. Um, well, look, uh, <laughs> a couple of things. This uh-huh. movie had a lot more Jeff Bridges than I was expecting. Um, which is, I think, all the better for it because he's great. But mm. there's also um, a technical thing that we should address um, with yeah. it. With Do it. we have to? <laughs> well, it's <laughs> it's important. I know. Yeah, it's a it's 
pretty seismic because of what followed, especially. Um, mm-hmm. So, do you want to talk about that? This, yeah. I mean, this was also touted as a big deal back when the film first released. Too, I was going to ask: was which, this the first use of this? This is the first major use of it. Okay. And what is it that I can think <laughs> that we're of. talking about for those who may be yeah. confused? Digital de aging. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, I think, the the first major film to incorporate digital de aging throughout, you know, the entire run. Uh, and, and of course, you have regular Jeff Bridges, and then you have a young Jeff Bridges, who is mostly known as Clue throughout the film, and. Disney has come a Disney has actually capitalized on this technology and I think easily is the best in the business at it at at this point. They even put They've Netflix really and Scorsese it to shame with it. They put yeah. That's some that's saying something. They really did. Um That being said, this is an obvious first attempt. <laughs> <laughs> Would this be compared to because another an, it, you know the history of Disney and especially the last two decades, they've really been pushing some interesting um, technologies for their visual effects. Um, mm-hmm. One of the best ones is still Davy Jones from 2006 Dead Man's Chest. One yeah. of the best looking mm-hmm. ever. It's it's that great. The de aging is another one, but then a big one was, and this is a more controversial one, is bringing dead actors back to life with Rogue One's um, uh, Will have Tarkin, and then also at that mm-hmm. point they had a younger and then recreated digital recreations with Leia, and similarly, uh, I think more so with 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 Tarkin and Leia, those, while I think overall work, you can tell they they're wobbly. <laughs> They're clearly what they are. And I think with the case in, I still think the best example of of a digital recreation um, or a de-aged digital recreation is Blade Runner 2049. Uh, The young Rachel um, scene is, I think that is stunning to look at. But with, with, Mm -hmm. in this case with Jeff Bridges, it's, I think it's, you're right. The first major use and they really do flaunt it um, because of, Clue. They were confident. They were confident <laughs> in it. Um, I feel it works, but then you can tell that there are some there are some uh, angles where it, it 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 looks like a floating head um, yeah. on a body. You know what? You know what I'm going to say because a, a lot of people, even at the time it released, gave it shit for it. It's not that bad. I don't think it's awful. I think for I, me, the, the, I don't think it's awful. The one point it didn't work was when it was used not on Clue, but on on uh, Flynn in the first scene of the movie. I think because he has a yeah. That's where it but looked you know why, weird. But yeah, you know why it looks bad is because he literally turns directly at the camera. Yeah, and they have like a porch light mm. pouring right on top of him. Yeah, and and it's like. And I think they they wanted this to be their shot to like shock the audience, like right. wow, look what technology can do. I think they were just a little too overconfident, right? I, because before that, when he's you know talking to you know his son mm-hmm. and he's talking about the grid. By the way, <laughs> they're real quick with those Tron action figures. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was more of like a portrait, like side side view, right? 
of his face, that was working perfectly, I think. But then they got too confident and they had to look right in the light um, <laughs> and at the camera. And it's just like, Ugh. it wasn't at all distracting yeah. to me in the Tron world. I think it yeah, felt, in the Tron world, it, it worked good. Yeah, I felt more at home there. Whereas mm -hmm. in broad daylight, mm, it wasn't there yet, clearly. Um, in that regard. So, yeah, that's just, uh, you notice those things when you're watching this movie. And I thought to myself, was this the first real, like, the first big use of this technology? Because if if so, we're talking about 10 years ago, we've come a long way. Well, when did, when did... Well, actually, this is the opposite. It's up aging. But when did Benjamin Button come out? It was before this. I know that. I want to say it was 2009. Okay. But it was digital up aging, not de-aging. So technically, <laughs> Tron. Um, Didn't they also have de-aging, though? Did it? Maybe for like one scene at the end. Well... Okay, isn't Benjamin Button born an old man, and then he dies a baby? Yeah, he's born an old man, and then he dies a baby, yes. But most of the up-aging right. is him as an old man, because most of the, the beginning of the film is him being an old man. Okay. Yeah. You don't remember the film? It's actually a really good film. No, I, um, I, I do. I'm just trying to, like... No, I remember. I'm just saying, like, I'm just... I think I'm I'm dwelling too much on what's the... What's the difference between up aging and de aging? It's just one makes you older and right. one makes you younger. <laughs> yeah, but he's aging so, as he's going younger, so wouldn't that still be de aging? Okay, okay, no, because the the CGI that they use for Benjamin Button is a young looking Brad Pitt mm. to make him look old and wrinkly. Okay, at the beginning of the film. Okay. Whereas with Jeff Bridges, it's old to make him look young, like 35-year-old Jeff Bridges. Um, or 45 at that age. Um, okay, well, let me let me go into a little of the stuff I like. And, and, and if there's shit you don't like or mm -hmm. agree, we, we, we can um, get into it. Um, what I liked... Not only about the world, what I actually liked about the direction and the directing style is I felt it was actually very unique in its direction. And as far as like, it's a very smooth film um, from from the acting, not the acting, from the action to the, the, the you know, discussions the the camera doesn't you know like boom go everywhere and the like a lot of modern day action films it's very much like you have them doing regular you know looking to speaking to each other like normal and and the camera just looks whatever and then there's action scenes and it's like everywhere because it's very obvious uh, marvel is notorious for this and not they're not only they're notorious for this they wear it on their fucking sleeve because every time they talk to new directors to do their films they tell them well you work with the characters and the actors and our people will handle the action yeah. and the cgi don't even think about that shit um whereas with this film it's very clear that the director was involved 
in all aspects of, you know, from simple conversation to, you know, wild action and stuff. Because I actually really enjoy, like, the, the disc battle mm. and the way it, it, it's shot. And, right. And, um, yeah, the way it's shot. And, you know, from the disc battle to the uh, the light cycle the light cycles to when they're at the end of line club and they get attacked mm. um i actually really and i think that adds to the feel of of the the film um do you disagree or that doesn't even cross your mind or no not at all um i think that that was right yeah yeah. <laughs> um, let me see. I like, speaking of the story, I like the whole thing with the ISOs. Um, that was actually really interesting to me. That's not at all expected what they were going to do with it because there is a lot there that is unique and interesting. Mm-hmm. And for the purposes yeah. of this story, it's mainly just background. A, it's background, which is used as a plot point of what happened in the world, which was genocide, which is another interesting aspect of um, how the world looks like with it being literally um, risen out of the ashes of that heap of, you know, dead ISOs and everything. Um, what was fascinating about them is so. They, this grid was mostly created by Flynn, as is described mm-hmm. in this in the movie. So then these ISIS just showed up, and so there's an implication there that well, I think what what I find most interesting about how they approach it is that these are you're in a computer world. You're you assume that oh they're just these unknown computer programs, but if the user of the program didn't create them, where did they come from? Are they sentient beings? And then the fact that we have one of them, basically the arc is one of them at the end of the movie mm-hmm. comes into the real world and they're alive. Yeah. And what, and then when Flynn sees that, he sees the future of everything for humanity and what they could become. And it, 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 it it's digital jazz, man. <laughs> that's a great, that's a good line. Um, so that's a very interesting concept. Um, I I have to guess that they were building to something in a future movie with those. Uh, right? And that's, that's another one of the issues with Tron. It shows great potential and you go like, this isn't quite it. But what's coming next, I can see it. It plays like a there. preview almost, a, a preview to a movie that never comes. Yeah, basically, like tenant. it's a preview to something greater that will never come. Um, that's what that's how I felt with like the original Tron, and then that's how I feel with this <laughs> Tron. And because it's like, yeah, and this is what I mean, where I I like the world, like I like Clue, I I I, I like the 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 that he's this like maniacal ruler who's all about perfection, mm-hmm. but that stems directly from the quote-unquote creator himself Flynn he tries to play God but he realizes how unwise he was at that time which plays into how he is later in life where he's kind of like this like 
it, it's his I like a I really like Jeff Bridges in this films. There's there's a lot of Jeff Bridgesms where he's like, you know, let's split, man. Like halfway guru, halfway <laughs> tech genius. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you can tell like he's it's almost like those past failures have led him to like dive deep into like philosophy and enlightenment, trying to better understand shit. Right. Um and then you have the ISOs where it's just like this philosophy again it's very very light in the film but this like philosophical like if you know if users didn't create them who created them you know they they weren't created they just came, popped into existence um but clue and and some would say his followers view them as imperfect and unworthy of the grid which leads to genocide um and like this whole sprawling story which they actually get more into it again in the animated series um but it's it's genuinely um oh and tron uh which we should get into tron right now who uh, but exactly <laughs> <laughs> i forgot he was but, in this movie um, um yeah the, i i can't i i also like the idea of tron you know i fight for the users he was created to to protect the grid um uh and right hand man and best friend to you know the creator himself and and there's so many instances where again like the first film there's just light little touches of it where i look and i point i'm like i like that i i give mm -hmm. me more of that right like i love they're having the battle at the end of line club which was a nod to the the first film end of line uh the master computer programmer um, and it's like this big battle, like, and we'll, we'll get to the music later because I got a lot to say with that. Um, but it's blaring and it's awesome. It's a really cool fight scene. And then, you know, he comes in, you know, he uses his powers to just shut everything down. Yeah. And and, and everyone just like looks at him like, oh, fuck. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because yeah. it's basically, you know, God, enter God entering the club. Yeah. And, and yeah. saying, I see all you all are sinning, basically. <laughs> And, and like as they're exiting, you know, he even like walks through the way he he once runs through, and you see a program drop to their knees and start praying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like this shit is so interesting. Yes, if you could just elaborate right. on it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, just give me more. Um, and this is why I'm just so desperate for more Tron because the little that there is there, I know if you dive into it more, mm -hmm. can just be like awesome mm -hmm. like awesome 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 um but yeah i don't know what, what are your no thoughts? i like all of that and you're right there were, uh, just recalling my experience watching the movie there were a lot of th different things that i liked that were really just side things going on that i would love to have seen you know them touch on it that was much more interesting than what was actually happening in front of me um mm -hmm. is which seems to happen a lot, I feel. But in this case, um, yeah. And there are a lot of cool, like, with Flynn in particular, him being this godlike presence, not just from, like, a philosophical standpoint of this world, but just from an action perspective is just great to see. I, I, that and I really liked. There's There's little moments where it's like the film comes together and the script comes together and it's like, okay, they get it. They understand it, but it's just, it's just not up to snuff and it sucks. Like one moment, 
um, upon rewatch, I noticed this in, in the beginning when you, you're seeing the newscasts about, you know, um, Flynn gone missing and da 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 da. They, sh- they show him um, giving a speech, you know, a, a conference, mm. you know, a, about, you know, a bio digital age to better the human condition or whatever it is he says. And he's giving this rousing speech and he's like, you know, in there is our destiny and da 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 and the you know huge crowds and whatever um but then clues final speech to like his totalitarian subjects as he's trying to march them into the real world mm-hmm. is almost identical yeah to the speech that he made where he's like out there is our destiny instead of saying in there he says out there and and the parallels of of basically showing that clue was him as a young man not getting it you know and and again the, the themes they're there they just need to be this is why I'm saying, like, it's so frustrating for me because I want to love it. I want to love it so badly, but it's just not quite there. It's just not quite there. Um, yeah, what do you... Couldn't have said it better. That's exactly how I feel about you know, the <laughs> themes in this movie. And that's why, you know, when when the whole thing ended... And then Disney's name popped up, and I'm like, man, I I, I just feel so sorry that you are in their care, because it, it it maybe like, if it was at WB, like I think, yeah, anybody else, I think would have, because you know we we just talk about Disney, just they handcuff themselves, um, needlessly so, but they do it either way, and I, I it just seems to me like when when you talk about what the full potential of what this series can look like. I'm, I don't think Disney can do that. I think they can get further than with what where they've gotten. Um, I there's it's I guess on like a franchise level I agree, mm. but on a one-off level it's possible. You know, like oh well, yeah. Hire Ryan Johnson. Ryan, Ryan Johnson. Yeah, Ryan Johnson. <laughs> How did I knew you were, we're going to go there? <laughs> we're bringing it in here, bitch. Last Jedi. Ryan Johnson was able to do that. Like, yeah. I really haven't loved anything Disney has done with Star Wars since they acquired it. Um, and it's almost a decade since they've acquired it. But The Last Jedi, like, it just took one, yeah. one moment where where the cards aligned and everything hit and it's like boom awesome this this is it you know all this time since the original trilogy where i felt like they're scratching the surface like i like this i like that but nothing's really hitting it like i want it to hit and then boom it happened yeah. and i'm happy that's like i don't need 50 tron shows and and a new trilogy or a new fucking um i i don't know uh interconnected universe or sh- i i don't need that what i, I need is need... somebody that says fuck to that and does something truly and just yeah yeah and just does instead of like just you know thinks about doing all of that takes i mean it yeah it and did happen the once. system to its full potential it did happen once and it happened with star wars and perhaps that would that could happen the same thing um but i don't think any of the people that were involved with this movie are up to snuff mm-hmm. 
to handle something like that. Oh, yeah. Obviously, you would bring in different so people. So, perhaps maybe it's not that um, Disney themselves aren't necessarily the problem. Well, they are. Well, they are because the they problem. hired those right. specific Th- That's people. the thing is that they need to... I think perhaps maybe the, the biggest tragedy of this franchise is that they've never been able to you know, interlink with an actual director. Or the right creative team mm-hmm. that looks past the world and into the story right. possibilities. Yeah, yeah. Um, because f- the reason why I know the the universe has so much potential is because these people you can tell don't really give a fuck about the story, but the the the, the whatever story they've thrown on top of it of has moments where I'm like fuck yes like mm-hmm. yes um mm-hmm. and which and is frustrating just, right <laughs> yeah that's the most frustrating <laughs> aspect of it it's so frustrating um so yeah I, it just but now it's the Star Wars and Marvel show and I don't see anything and how they own Fox so it's like they have no time for for side projects i feel it's just just as well i i mean the thing is this age right now the alan horn era uh for the walt disney studios is a cesspool of crap i i even if they announced (sighs) okay let's say tron let's let's say it it would only really happen if it were a reboot it was a complete reboot Let's just say it was a reboot. And let's just say they get um John Favreau. You see, I, I just don't like it. I Another interesting aspect of this film is that it is called Tron Legacy. <laughs> um uh, where is Tron in this film? Behind a helmet the entire movie. <laughs> Well, he's not even Tron. He's Rensler. Oh, that's right. He's Rensler. Yeah. He apparently is at some point between when Clue overthrows and takes over control of the grid and uh, Tron, you know, valiantly as the hero he is, tries to stop um, Clue from getting to the creator, Flynn, uh, he disappears. And apparently in that time, he was reprogrammed as Clue's attack dog, Rinsler, who's very, uh, very famous in the games, apparently. Uh, The disc games. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Tron has never been about Tron. To a certain so, extent. What 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 is it then? That's I think that that's interesting because could they not come up with a better title for the front for the movie then? Um, the original movie. I I did well. I think the original film, Tron was the first character idea created. Like the idea was Tron was the hero, right. but then in the film it's like. Tron's there, but the main character is actually Jeff Bridges. Mm-hmm. And then here, 
not even Tron's there. He's like name dropped a couple times. Uh, he was part of the story at one point, and then he's Rinsler, and then by the end of the film, Jeff Bridges realizes like, oh shit, Rinsler is Tron. Like he has that one line like Tron, what have you become or whatever. And then at the last moment, he's um, he's sort of turned back to the light side. <laughs> Um, and, and there's like a just a little hint of like, oh, he's going to be back as Tron for the sequel. That in theaters, 2012, that's the other universe where uh, Trump never became president. Uh, <laughs> it was very clear that it's like, OK, maybe he has a light role in this film and then the next film. He'll probably be more prominent. And then they just never got to make that next film. But in this film, he's just Clue's attack dog, Rensler. That has like a couple lines. Um, to be fair, the actor, he gets a whole scene, you know, in the real world. Uh, you know, as he gets, he gets him being a character, you know, friend to the Flint. But in like... The world of Tron. It's literally called Tron. The world of Tron. Tron is there for like two seconds. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, this doesn't bother me. I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in a list of complaints, I don't even feel like it registers as one. I just find it to be odd. Yeah. It's definitely odd. Um, in the next thing of Tron you consume which is Tron Uprising. Tron is also in the show. He is not the main character. Oh, okay. He's not. (laughs) Um, But he gets easily the biggest role out of anything. He's, you know, from the first film and and this one. And he he is like a full-fledged character. Oh. So to speak. Um. So I'll say that. Okay. And and I do end up really liking his character. Um but yeah, for this he's he's Rensler. <laughs> but again, I like the oh, that's another thing. I like the I really like the discs. Like to me it really is like that classic thing like you know, in Star Wars they have their lightsaber or with Ghostbusters they have like a proton pack. Mm. It's like this sort of classic item that the heroes hold. It's just so cool in its own unique yeah. way. And and that, I don't know. I really like the disc battles. And of course, uh, Rensler has two. <laughs> and I, I was watching the, um, the review from uh, the Red Letter Media guys. Uh-huh. And they were, and they made the comment that Rinsler is literally Darth Maul. He's the he's the red colored bad guy that says nothing that has double of the the the, the main weapon. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I'm cool with it. I mm-hmm. like it. It's fun. He even like he like growls a little bit sometimes. Or they add like that effect in, uh, like user. Um, so I think that's cool. Um, 
this the next thing I'm gonna bring up is pretty fucking interesting because she hasn't been brought up at all at this point, which is the character of Cora. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, I feel like a lot of the issues that plague this film is also the time period in which it was made. Because, like, the main character is, like, the most milquetoast, bland type of leading man Hollywood actor that they were scooping up by the dozens. I mean, they worked in, in that, Avatar. You know, the, the, yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, that kind of actor. Mm-hmm. Like, um, that's exactly what it is. You know, it's very of the time. And it's the same with the female role. Where it's still, like, we'll give you a cool action scene but you're still not a character so much um but olivia wilde does what the main actor um can't which is i think she's a good enough actress and brings enough personality to work with the little that she's got right um, cause she talks about how, you know, she's being basically raised by Flynn mm-hmm. and the different things she's learning. And it is funny. Like, I don't know what author, I can't remember what author they're talking about. And then she was like, it's a funny, cute line where she's like, Oh, it was like Charles Dickens or something like that. And then she asked him, have you read it? And he's like, or like, do you know him? And he's like, do I know him? Like, yeah. And then she's like, Oh, what's he like? Like, do you get it? No, yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it was funny to me, but like that kind of shit, um, and like she's she's able to just sort of bring a personality to a nothing character, uh-huh. um, with Olivia Wilde, and that's another reason where it's like she's able to bring it. The other side characters i think are able to bring it fucking uh what's his name um sheen as the yeah um, martin sheen is it, no it was michael sheen sorry michael sheen michael sheen as zeus you know the the club owner the end of line club he's great yeah he's great that came out of nowhere um it mm-hmm. was like just this late explosion of energy that kind of shook the movie and it it you needed more side characters like yeah. that. You really did. That that just had more energy to them. He was great. Like if you had two or three more of Zeus like characters that just bring the energy, I think again, that that's the little changes here and there that can really affect the film in in a big bad way. Um but no, he was great. His, his whole shit. Um, yeah. Uh, anything you'd like to add? Or? You wanted to mention the score. Yeah. What did you think of the score? I don't... <laughs> it's like everything with this movie. I, it, Are you brain dead it's now? It's good? Okay, I think it's one of the best scores I've ever heard. Really? Yes. Okay. Really. Okay. I think the score is 
utterly fantastic. Like, genuinely fantastic. The way that um, Daft Punk worked with another composer to just sort of, like, their electronic music to weave in with, like, a more traditional score mm-hmm. is just, I think, mind-boggling. 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 That word. Whatever. Really couldn't see? I thought you had it the first time. What happened? (laughs) You know, you fail, you fail again. Um, It's so good. Like, D-Rez, which was, like, the only single I think they they really dropped at the time for the film, is a really, really good. But, like, they have other tracks like The Grid. Um, Fuck. Shit. I, I forgot. I used to know some other ones by name. But, like, the music is really good. Like, really, really good. And I think it adds so much to so many of these scenes where it almost like the prequels, where, like, the story isn't doing it, but fuck is the music making me feel it. Even if I I know it's 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 a little hollow, the music is, is just fucking A1. It's so, so good. Um, yeah. I know I'm alone. I, I guess I'm alone in this, but I think... The music and again apparently i'm not the music guy uh but i think it's easily one of the best scores i've ever heard i really love it i mean i didn't find it to be bad um <laughs> i didn't find it I, to be bad. I don't remember it really if i'm being honest with you um yeah um also and i actually do like this too the um the director did create a lot of large sets yeah the, i read that um this film had a lot of sets in it that weren't um necessarily all just vfx one of my main critiques of the mcu movies is that they are so like overly reliant on blue screen and I hate it that when I just I I like sets, okay? I, <laughs> I like mm-hmm. the building of them, and I think they they overall make the the feel the film more organic. And I hate it that some of the like my favorite Marvel movies, I they 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 can't be bothered. They just here let's let's put up this blue drape over the wall. We're good to go. And it just just sit in this chair and 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 talk to the yeah. screen, and there's going to actually be like a whole world behind you. A whole room or whatever yeah but yeah so yeah. i i do appreciate the sets and i think from a production design standpoint beautiful it's really yeah. really good um i i i i'll say that i i think i've exhausted my talking points when it comes to this particular film uh i i'll wrap up my thoughts and then i'll ask you some um uh, overall i do like this film i do it's a film i can pop up and watch and just really enjoy being immersed in the world because i really like the world it is lacking though severely um in story and characterization um i really really see the potential that's there even though it's not fully realized within this film 
I do think overall it is improvement from the 1982 mm-hmm. Tron film. Um, even though I actually really like the quirkiness of that original one in, in its own way. Um, and while in the same way that I saw this film as an improvement off the last, I actually think the Tron Uprising animated show is an improvement upon Tron Legacy. Um, I, I think it's the best Tron thing out there right now. And, and that's the next thing we're going to review. It's one season, because like all, all things Tron, the second it starts to get good, you got to end it. Um, <laughs> 20 episodes. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll obviously get into that next week. But you, as we you know talked out this film, your overall feelings. I I hate myself this episode. I almost feel like resigned and just having a hard time getting the words out there. Um, not great, not terrible. Didn't like it. Didn't dislike it. I'm very indifferent in general. Very indifferent. Yeah. Just it exists. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. There's, a, there's stuff that I like and there's stuff that I don't like. It's a movie. <laughs> it's a movie. Um, a lot of potential that doesn't um, go anywhere seemingly. Um, it's not garbage. It's not brilliant. Overall, as a, as a film, it functions. It is a film. <laughs> I'll agree with you there. It is, in fact, technically a film. It falls under that definition. I, I think we could agree 100% on that that point. I think that falls yeah, under the right parameters of what a movie would be is. Um, I won't remember this next week if it weren't for the fact that I'll have to watch the series. You have so, to watch. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. My hope for the series is that you go from indifferent to slightly, um, just the slightest, slightest level of, it wasn't bad. <laughs> that, that, you know, that, that level of improvement, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's so, yeah. always hope, right? Hope springs eternal. Um, that things can get better. I'm actually more interested than ever to know how you feel about the series. If you feel like this, you're just so indifferent about this film. Um, yeah, that's going to be interesting because like you could maybe just walk away with the same level of indifference or maybe even anger. Anger. (laughs) Really? Anger. anger. That would be an emotion. Maybe that would be great though, because like for me, each one got better, but for you, each one would get worse. Because you, you went to kind of liking, you know, the 1982 mm-hmm. to indifferent to, you know, fuck this, I dislike well, it. It's, it's, it that might be an interesting de- devolution. You could be moving indifferent, <laughs> indifferent. You were going down yeah, different Yeah, and paths. it's like, you know, I wasn't crazy about the first movie. I was interested in its weirdness and its uniqueness. And at the end of the day, I, I called it a very uneven movie. Um, with yeah. the highs ultimately um, overwhelming the lows of that, 
And in this case with legacy, I, it's almost as if the highs are equally are as equal as the lows and it, it, they just cancel each other out to where I just don't care in general. So here's hoping for the show, you know, the lows are higher than the highs. <laughs> so we can have a, we can have a real old fashioned, uh, Mexican standoff. Oh my here. God. <laughs> I, look, you know what? Okay. Oh no, no. Think about Alexis. Think about this. This could be your revenge. This could be the the Rebels review, the Rebels review revenge you've been looking for. But you see, in that, it's like you you paint me as a creature that's obsessed with that. I like to think that I've moved on because, like, if that were the case, then I would be all but excited to tell you how much I hated this and and tell you that I I disliked it. But as you found in this review, I was kind of beside myself because I I, I didn't want to come off like i hated this and Mm -hmm. i didn't i just don't care and sometimes that can be worse than hating it is nine out of ten times i think it's worse i think it's better to hate a film than to be indifferent about it i really do Um, i've all but given up hope that i could ever piss you off as much as you've pissed me off over the years so i i just i but it's possible. I don't know how this it is. is. Our, this is your one shot. Because I, because I do, uh, I do genuinely like Tron Uprising. I think it's got a lot of good shit. I think it's like, it's at least at the quality level of like season one and two of um, uh, Clone Wars. Okay. So if we were to come back next week and you to like shove that shit in my face and go this thing sucks like you can you can break my heart the way I broke your heart <sighs> I I, uh, I don't I don't believe in such miracles Peter um, the world has uh, disappointed me far too often well here's hoping <laughs> To, to to a tumultuous finale to our to our Tron. Uh, it's a shame Kyle can't be week. here because I really feel I need uh, I need a, a different. You need a, a a second opinion. No, I feel like well to to be honest with you, I don't know what he thinks of this. Has he told you? Because he was, I mean, to be in no. full transparency, he was supposed to be on this on these shows. It's just that yeah. work kept him from being here on the days that we record to the table, and unfortunately, the, the schedule just it, it it doesn't allow for Kyle to be on here. But I don't know what well, Kyle thinks of this. That's why I wanted all three of us because it's just the opinions are going to be very they're going to be varied obviously yeah. and and that's that's mirrored in the reviews that's mirrored in the way people talk about it or don't talk about the issue with Tron and I myself am very frustrated and I go back and forth with this shit so I thought like multiple people would better shed a light on the differing opinions um, but since there's only two of us and I override your opinion um, it is your show Everything I say is objectively correct, and everything you say is objectively false. Best to remember that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Strong legacy. 
without Sean Legacy. <laughs> yeah, make sure to give me is the link to um, the first episode, which is on YouTube for Uprising, I guess. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Disney XD. All right, well, that was our wonderful, wonderful episode. Uh, thank you all for listening. We have, uh, obviously, another episode to go with this month of Tron with Tron Uprising which we're all so excited to see what amounts to it. Um, but, yeah, every Friday. And uh, a lot of shows with Red Spotlight coming at you. Thank you, Peter. Bye. Bye.